Okay, what's going on everyone? It's Dr. Jordan Seda coming to you live from New York City. Are you ready to go to health and back? All right, let's get it. Welcome to Health and Back, a podcast run by a physical therapist focused on fitness, performance, and mindset tools for success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jordan Seda. Pleased to be joined here today by a longtime friend and colleague who I have to create opportunities like this to even get FaceTime with because he's such a busy guy. Uh, Dr. Lee Scantolides, what's going on, Lee? Hey, man, what's up? I'm so, so happy to do this and uh, thank you for having me on. This is great. You know, this is a huge thing, I think, that uh, getting into podcasting and getting your voice out there, and I, I love to be a part of it. And there will be no one I'd rather have. I mean, I've probably said that to other guests. I'd rather have nobody else. But for you, definitely, um, you've been instrumental to my career growth. And I hope people can appreciate why that might be. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we've had a hell of a year. I, I was actually able to buy a home COVID test today, which is bananas. Like all the pharmacies were sold out since Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, my and, God. Where yeah. did you go? You were in the city and got one? Yeah. All right. So for everyone who needs a home COVID test in the city, the Dwayne Reed on Broadway. And I want to say, okay, so it's right next to the Trinity Church. They are not short on COVID tests. That's Um, incredible. It's amazing how something that was preventative is now uh, being used for capital gain, but that's for another podcast episode. (laughs) Oh my God. Might have to pull like a Russell Brand or Joe Rogan and, go in on capitalism and uh, disease. <laughs> Please don't. I will not do that. Uh, but anyway, so let's dive right into it. Uh, like I said, uh, Lee has been cat- not catastrophic, a-, a catalyst to my growth. And I want Lee to tell, or Dr. Skin, should I, can I call you Lee? Or can I call call you me Lee? Lee? Yeah, I'm, I'm good right. with Lee. All right, Lee, uh, just tell, tell all the listeners a little bit about your background and what made you so awesome. Well, first off, thank you for the kind words, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so uh, I have been a physical therapist for 11 years now, uh, strength coach for about 22 years, and uh, kettlebell instructor for about seven years. Um, overall, I think the biggest thing that's always been in the background with me is uh, martial arts. So I've been doing martial arts for a long time, uh, about 35, 36 years, um, and I love to integrate kind of the principles of all of those things into everything I do. So mainly treating um, patients through physical therapy, using things that I I know about strength conditioning and uh, kettlebell uh, strength conditioning, and then also principles of martial arts. So um, I do have, I work with a partner of mine in the city um, in Midtown. And so I I see patients there in an outpatient setting. And I also do uh, kettlebell classes about three days a week at a jujitsu and Muay Thai studio in the city. And then I see uh, strength conditioning clients virtually and in person. Well, it seems yeah, like yeah. you have a lot going on right now. That's pretty, that's pretty solid. And I really need to make it to your kettlebell classes because it's like five minutes away from where I live. That's right. It's so close. Yeah, we got to make that happen sometime. But we'll save everything for 
for 2022 going uh, going strong on our resolutions awesome. and goals and everything. Uh, but I know yeah. part of what makes you great is that you really dedicated much of your professional career towards education. Uh, aside from bring, taking me under your wing, I, I don't know if it was the left wing or the right wing, but <laughs> taking me under your proverbial wing, uh, you you started teaching at uh, Toro University, or is it Toro, Toro College, or is it a university? Toro College. Okay. Toro College. Still Toro. There College. is a Toro. Yeah, there is a Toro University, but I believe it's out of this country. I think um, I, I don't know where it is, but I uh, I know Toro College. That's the the main. Uh, college that I work for and not only the, they in New York but they're also in Nevada and I want to say in California too all right but yeah. you're working at Toro College and you're no matter what you're teaching uh, Lee yes. is teaching so tell me a little bit about uh what you have going on in teaching I know this we're still in this pandemic here uh so you've had a lot of challenges but just tell me about your overall experience with that Sure. Yeah. So since 2019, uh, I've been an adjunct uh, instructor uh, teaching therapeutic exercise at Toro College. And uh, so 2019 was a, a normal year, as you know. And then 2020, when that hit, we had to totally shift around our schedule. And at least half of our classes were virtual. And so that was pretty tough because we had a very lab heavy course, therapeutic exercise. You know, we needed a do nearly a long lab each each class and so uh we would do virtual labs uh during the the first half half of the semester and then the last half of the semester was all clumped together with a bunch of labs uh and with also our, our midterms and finals so yeah it was definitely tough and in 2021 luckily we only had to do one virtual class um and then the rest were in person we had uh strict mask wearing and social distancing as much as we could um with the versus the partner work and things like that so yeah it was very interesting the last couple of years but i'm sure you've uh, become a master at um uh, what's the word i'm looking for innovating working on the go and uh it seems like i haven't heard uh a decrease in percentage of people passing the boards recently so things must still be working yeah you know what i heard through my uh my the the, the director of the program she mentioned in 2020 we were one of the few schools that did not delay grad graduating um uh, students because we still were able to adapt the half and half system and then we did a lot of virtual stuff so we were still able to meet the guidelines of what the boards would recommend or uh, require for us to certify someone to graduate and then sit for the, the board. So um, I was happy to hear that. And, and I would agree with you. I feel like, you know, almost all the schools here in the city, at least, have adapted and have been able to pass on the coursework to the students in some sort of way that was uh, still effective. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And uh, my last guest that I had for those of you who listen to Dr. Marcus's podcast, there is going to be a continued increase in phys people going through physical therapy programs looking for work. So it's just it's not like the programs are getting any easier. Uh, they're actually getting more challenging and the, the quality of student that's getting accepted to PT school nowadays is uh, quite, quite special. So to that point, I know back in the day, we used to have a joke at, at Columbia, and uh, I don't know if they want me to say this on air, but it was like, 
if you didn't get accepted to like the top schools that you applied to, Columbia would take you if you were like a decent person. Not to, I don't want to water down my degree by any means, but it was like, oh, if you have a 3-3, but you have like a killer resume and a solid GRE score, they would take a chance on you. Whereas nowadays, mm-hmm. I'm, I gotta stop saying nowadays. Uh, recently, I've heard that that would not fly on an application process. So you're getting students that seem better, uh, better prepared to deal with the rigor of a graduate level program. And with that, I think I'm also noticing more students asking questions and challenging things that are being taught to them, which is definitely different than even when I was back in school and you've been practicing considerably longer than I have. So tell me a little bit about the change you've noticed in contemporary students relative to those when you were a student like yourself. Yeah, a huge difference. I mean, just thinking about that now, like I've known a couple of people who've recently gone through the um, application process. One friend of ours, uh, my wife and I's friends, and then he, he got accepted in a PT school. Totally different process from when I, I did just that alone, the application process and how everything has to be on point, even like your GRE scores, because there's so many people applying to PT school and you have to be kind of really top notch to get accepted, at least from what I understand here in New York. Um, and then the, the actual student wants to get in very different you know when when we were um in pt school i was in pt school 2007 2010 um it, the main curriculum was had nothing to do with pain science very little or i wouldn't even say any strength and conditioning um influence and then social media wasn't really a thing the first iphone came out in 2007 uh that's when we started school and so like, you know, there wasn't really apps or anything like that. So now you have Instagram, you got YouTube, Twitter, uh, the sharing of the research on all those those platforms. So now the students who come in and they, they get into the program, not only are they like top notch with their, um, their academics and their extracurricular activities, but they're also usually well versed in knowing what pain science is, or at least aware of what that is in comparison to like pathomechanical, pathoanatomical models. So that has totally, in a good way, um, I think, at least for myself, has forced the instructors to really be up up their game and bring up-to-date research, bring what they found in the clinic and see if it matches what they have questions for. And I, I get a lot of questions every year, a lot of great ones about what we're teaching. And then the students have really good discussions with themselves. That's one thing I've noticed that I loved. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's very different from when I went to school. Yeah, but you're definitely someone that does embody staying up to date with the evidence and evolving with the changing times. Because, you know, I can attest because I'm also Lee's patient, aside from friend, buddy, guy, you insert <laughs> other things, a colleague. Uh, so I can attest that he he understands how to approach rehab from a more i mean you could say biopsychosocial model but most of you're like what the fuck does that mean uh the people that are listening so basically just like taking into account what someone like myself needs in my daily life and what my physical capabilities are and any barriers that would prevent me from getting there which you know i i know when i was first starting as a physical therapist i thought those things were important but i just wanted to get my hands on people 
move some move some bones, release some tissues without with all the force that I had, mm-hmm. and I was gonna make some significant changes with my hands. But I've seen my practice change where I'm now more of a movement based therapist, and I think you're also there. Uh, so tell me about how you might how you have undergone flipping the script from more of a manually based provider to where you are now. Yeah. Oh man. So like, you know, going through the traditional schooling, getting out 2010 and then practicing, I did my last affiliation, uh, in a very heavily manually oriented, uh, clinic. And so that's what I was looking to get into. And I was kind of thinking the same thing. All I wanted to do was, you know, get my hands on patients and, you know, move bones and treat fashion and learn as much as I could about that. And then I would say like two years in after taking multiple, Con Ed courses, there was, it, it literally came down to one physical therapist. His name was Patrick Lyons. He was an Australian physical therapist who worked at the clinic that I was at. He had at the time, probably about five, eight years of clinical experience at the time. And he was an, an incredible manual therapist, an incredible clinician overall. I looked up to him as a mentor for sure. Um, and he, I remember after one day of treating, uh, he was like looking at his iPad obsessively and he was just like kind of clicking through this thread or this um forum and i was asking him what it was and it was this website called soma simple and he was explaining what it was and i still didn't really understand it but it was just a group of pain scientists or like some uh website that they can go to and have these discussions and share research and things like that and that was kind of pre the popularization of like twitter and uh, i think social media as well in terms of sharing these things and so he said when he went on there, he asked a couple of questions to the main people who were holding these discussions. And he, this is his words, he was getting destroyed in terms of science and research about backing claims against what he was saying. And I was just fascinated by this. But at the time, I was also like in this mindset of like none of this stuff really matters to the treatments that I do. And then over time, over the you know next couple of months and going into six months, he would try to like at each one of us that would work with him, uh, each one of the therapists, he would try to influence us a little bit and ask us why we were doing what we were doing with certain patients. And then it, it came to the point where I came in after taking a weekend course through the Institute of Physical Art or IPA, and I took their core first strategy course, what used to be called the CFS. And that was all about posture and strength and posture and how pain is correlated with poor posture and all this other stuff. And I, I, I was going to do an in-service to the clinic who was at. And so I, I did it with them and it went over well and I worked really hard for the in-service. And then he started the thread after that via email about asking, you know, the, the, what I think is happening when I implement these techniques. And then that sparks a conversation via emails with all the other therapists. And he was bringing in what he learned from the Soma Simple group. Uh, to this thread and I was blown away because it was just like everything against that I've ever done and then that was I would say that was the start that whole experience with him was the absolute start of um, kind of rethinking what I was doing and my principles started to change a little bit and I started to see patterns in patients that I was not doing well with in a sense that I would do all the manual work, work like crazy they weren't getting better and they would have these um, you know particular uh, things about their history that I didn't address yet. Um, and then I started to 
you know, when you start learning these things, you do the fire hose, right? It's uh, you start talking to patients about too much information, like, oh, you know, when you have stress in your life, that's going to increase your pain. You know, that doesn't help anybody with uh, without any context, right? You have to have some context to it. You have to have follow-up. And I wasn't able to do that at that point. So my initial uh, entry point to it was very rough and it, it wasn't successful. And I would say by now I'm getting better, but it's obviously, it's, as you know, it's always a learning process with each person and uh, it definitely more movement-based and really trying to integrate more and more um, just my own experience as a strength conditioning coach and kettlebell work and things like that with patients. Very, very interesting how uh, your your path has manifested to today's work, but I know that you're definitely effective. Otherwise, I wouldn't spend my time and money even talking to you right now, let alone letting you uh, address my bodily injuries, which are plentiful because um, everyone knows by now that I am I do capoeira. It's more of a more than just a passion at this point for me. Um, I think I'm skipping ahead. I, I wanted to say something about uh, your your uh, influence and how it, it came to be about how you, know, you can't just douse people in new information without context. That, that is so, so true. And to, I want to leave a disclaimer in here that I don't think Lee is saying that manual treatment has no purpose. I, I'm pretty sure he would adamantly disagree with that statement, but it's just okay. that traditionally over the years, I think we're seeing a shift from uh, providers who are are addressing every bodily injury with manual therapy, but instead are now using manual therapy as just one of many potential tools for intervention aside from, you know, pre prescribing exercise, but a lot of it is just lifestyle modification. It could just be a simple change in someone's belief systems or getting into better habits that will lead to longer term health gains instead of that I don't want to say traditional chiropractic model, but I, I, I hate to say it, it still kind of exists where it's like you get cracked and then you see your chiropractor pretty much once a week for life until you're fed up with it or you're broke or they raise your rent mm -hmm. in New York City like they're doing with me right now. And then you're like, well, oh, shit, God. I had, oh, dude, you don't even want to know. Uh, I can't even know. imagine. Yeah, I, I might be, uh, ah, well, let's just say I might be seeing you less for a little bit. But anyway, oh, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I do capoeira going back to it and my, and I actually just got into gymnastics. I don't know if you've seen, I'm doing some tumbling classes and stuff now. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I yeah, love that stuff. Yeah, I'm doing that. So definitely plenty of opportunities for me to fuck my body up as always. <laughs> I wish you're my guy. But one of the things that you give me and you're, because you are a martial artist yourself, you give me a lot of kettlebell work to address my injuries, which I also really appreciate because it's great at isolating um, segments and also you know, isolating one side versus the other. So you as a Brazilian, you're currently practicing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu primarily, and you probably work with most of that population. How have you managed to utilize kettlebell training in their rehab successfully? Yeah, this is a question I get a lot, like, you know, even from patients who are non-martial artists are like, why are we using kettlebells versus dumbbells? And I think there's there's a number of reasons for sure. Um, but the kettlebell training, it, it it matches a lot of where our deficits are, obviously in life, but it, uh, martial arts in particular, 
where like the staples of kettlebell training are things like swings um, and even get up. So like those are the two main things that I think about when I can to help define kettlebell training. Um, so swings is really, well, I would say any kettlebell ballistic is a huge heavy emphasis on uh, explosive hip extension um, that really helps you train both the hinge position, but also how to use your hips in a whole body motion. So, so anything that involves kicking and punching, you're, you're, you know, uh, uh, someone who punches really strong, they don't have huge arms and they're like, they're not super strong upper body. The main reason they can punch really strong is because they're really efficient at producing kinetic energy with their whole body. And that's primarily through the hips and the feet and rotation of the trunk. Same thing goes with kicking, same thing goes with throwing. Um, so I think kettlebell training, when you go into, you dive into the main part of what is kettlebell training, then you learn about all that. You learn how to clean the kettlebell snatch, uh, swing. And then when you get to the grinds, like the press and the, um, get-ups and squats, then you, you learn more about the strength aspect of it. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of rehab, it's a great introduction because it's, it's in my opinion, and many will be disagreeing when I say this, it's a very non-threatening way of introducing load. And the reason I say that, and I say this to my students, is when I want someone to learn the deadlift and actually lift load off the floor, sometimes if I put them in front of a barbell, they usually have a little bit more preconceived notions about injury and pain versus putting them in front of a, a kettlebell. Now, that could work either way based on their own experience if they had a bad experience with kettlebell training. But the kettlebell in nature is almost like a bag. You know, they're, they're used to picking up a bag off the ground. Um, there's a handle to it and you could put it between the legs so you don't have to worry about, um, you know, a traditional like conventional deadlift where your arms are farther out and that might put a little bit more stress uh, or strain uh, or, you know, put them in a position they're not comfortable with. So same thing goes for the squats. You can hold the kettlebell in front and versus putting a bar on your back. So I feel like for rehab, um, it's a great introduction to just moving around load. Um, I bet you've seen that um, it's a, I'm going to call it a corny uh, commercial about, you know, being strong around the holidays about with the old guy and then the kettlebell. It looks like it's like in Russian or, or something like that or, or Germany. Um, but Adam Meekins has posted a bunch about it. He, this is the second year in a row he posted it for the holidays. But basically, it's an older person who um they like you know highlight him living by himself and he, he kind of looks upset and not happy and then he goes out to his garage and he like uh moves all of the stuff around he finds a kettlebell and he starts to just lift it up and down and he can't lift it above his head and that somehow is his goal and then you learn after watching him do it day after day and he's finally able to do it he goes to a christmas holiday with his family he just wants to lift his granddaughter's grandson up to put the um, the star on the tree. And so he wants to be involved in that. So it was like a whole thing about um, getting stronger functionally for something that's meaningful for him. And now the reason why I'm bringing that up is because it was a kettlebell. It was it was a very simple tool. You know, he, he just used that for his, his training to help him get to his goal. And I feel like uh, the kettlebell has so many things you can do with it and it doesn't take up a lot of space. That's one reason. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I, I really miss being a, a clinician next to you because I would hear all these explanations and then see it in real time. And man, I feel like a, a stupider clinician now that you're not around <laughs> as much only because you're saying all these things. And uh, oh, please. Uh, now, do you think that kettlebell training is appropriate for people that aren't? I mean, I think you talked about the older gentleman in the commercial, but is there anyone that would not respond well to kettlebell training? Yeah, I would say if they have a they have a particular negative history with it, then they that would be something that they would have to get over. Meaning, like I've had patients who outrightly said, like I've injured my shoulder because I did kettlebell work. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I would bring it up, they would not be comfortable using it. So we would go right to the dumbbells. We got to meet the person where they're at and, and introduce load somehow, some way. Um, and then maybe in, in time, they would feel more comfortable with it. But if that person came up to me and, you know, you could really tell that that was what their history is, then I'm not going to force that on them and like try to convince them within session that that's not true or whatever. Um but yeah, otherwise, like all this work that um, I, I don't know if we've talked about, um, you do follow the kettlebell physio, right? Yes. So Neil May uh, from Australia, he just came out with most of his work this year. And it's incredible because it's all about the older population in kettlebell training. And he's got a, a, a great amount of data. I think it's four different studies. Uh, he looks at like bone mass. Uh, I think it was also muscle mass strength explosive uh, explosive power um and grip strength and things like that and a very thorough review of all those things um and the whole point being is that he was i believe trying to show that kettlebell training is appropriate along the entire spectrum and i think a lot of people think that with the older population kettlebell training is not appropriate and he had people in their 70s doing swings um, which I, I thought was incredible. I mean, I've have uh, I have a couple of clients who do that now, or around that age. But we've been working together for a very long time, like years. Um, so I thought that was great. It's a great thing to check out. I think uh, one of the major complaints in in my experience as training people to use kettlebells in the rack position, they tend to complain of discomfort on their wrist. Now, is that something that? you would say they have to adapt to or something that you should either modify the kettlebell load that they have or wait and try it again another day? What would be your advice if someone was complaining about discomfort on their wrist? Yeah, it's a great question. Very common. I encounter that a lot, especially with people who have never done kettlebell work. So it's usually one of two things. Um, One, the weight could be a little too heavy for their tissues at that moment. And then two, and this is a, a complete hypothesis, I don't know if this is true or not because it's so hard to study this, but I do believe that there is a, a, an, a whole thing with threshold training with um, our skin and the, the muscles, uh, especially in the forearm and the shins. So think of like Thai boxers, right? Uh, there's like this myth with um, Thai boxers that they deaden the nerves in the shin just so they can check kicks easier and the shins don't break. But I think what happens is, and I don't, I don't believe that's true. I think they just, they train so much and the tissues become so tolerant of the impact that there's some adaptation there, whether it be on the bone, whether it be the actual skin itself getting thicker, or just the receptors or all the above, the, the threshold and the receptors goes down. And so it takes a lot more for, force for that feedback to get back to the brain. 
So I think the same thing happens at the forearm. So just my own experience, um, when I first started kettlebell training, there was a certain weight. It was I think it was 28 kg uh, that I could not rest on my my forearm at all on both sides. And it would just make me want me let go of my wrist right away. Now I'm able to hold the 48 kg in a rack position on both sides if I wanted to. Um, and I think it was just a function of very gradual progressive loading um, and just getting those tissues adapted. But yeah, that, that is something to keep an eye out for because if you have, let's say if you start them in a training program, they continuously have that. And and or like getting bruising on the back of the wrist, that can be an issue. And that's not a productive thing if it's been going on for weeks or months. Yeah, it's good to know. I, uh, I admittedly am not a kettlebell certified coach or practitioner, uh, although I utilize kettlebell training a lot. But those questions do come up sometimes. And I wonder what would be the best course of action. So definitely helpful. And I'm sure for our listeners, something that they're probably taking notes on right now. Cool. Um, yeah, I really appreciate your, your insight overall. And uh, I just wanted to know now that 2022 is upon us and like, is your daughter already two? She is. Yeah, she's two. She turned two in September. That's and um, yeah, it's crazy, man. You got to see her. Uh, uh, she won't come out now, but um, she it was like on the dot. You know, I won't go too much into it, but it was like terrible twos. You know, as soon as his birthday happened, it was tantrums going on like crazy. And she was saying no left and right. I was like, wow, this, this is really a thing, I guess. <laughs> Man, I'm glad. I, get, I think I'll take it from you when people tell me to take my time before I have children. Um, <laughs> this is also a call to action. If anyone wants to have children with me, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm out here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, man. I'm using oh, man. I wonder what kind of bites I'm going to get after saying something. <laughs> I can't wait to see. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> dance. Anyone want to dance? <laughs> uh, I forgot this is a professional uh, podcast. But going back to what we were saying before, uh, it's 2022. What would you say that you have any resolutions or anything that you're looking to improve upon? Because for me, when people ask me what I'm going to do better next year, I'm just, I, I already just said this to someone, I'm like, I'm going to continue being who I am because I, I have a, an operating system. I feel that works. Obviously I have goals that I plan to continue pursuing, but I think changing your action and your intention is the most important thing, but mine are already pretty straightforward i think uh do you have any uh resolutions or are you kind of on the same page yeah no i i mean i'm kind of on the same page but i would say one thing i'm realizing i think both 2020 and 2021 keeps reinforcing is the importance of time um and i would say time with for me it's time with my family and um just being able to you know have that time i want to i want to keep that so i'm going to do anything that i can to maintain that and um also as i'm getting older i'm also realizing that i can easily get out of a loop to get into unhealthy habits and uh you know i i really want to maintain those healthy habits as much as i can if not improve upon them um, so I just want to be more diligent about that. And I think like everybody else, the whole 
decrease sleep time, uh, sorry, decrease screen time, increase sleep quality, you know, better eating habits, drinking habits, things like that, um, that I think are super important. So just becoming more and more aware of that as I get older and wanting to spend more time with my family, for sure. I dig that. I dig that. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of new parents, uh, whether it's the product, uh, I know yours was pre-pandemic, but I've seen a lot of post or during pandemic, because we're not out of this yet, yeah. um, during pandemic babies, and uh, they really are valuing the time uh, with their family and, and continuing to encourage me to do things like gymnastics and stuff, because they're like, well, it's going to be forever until I do gymnastics again or anything like that. And you know what they say about losing sleep? It's true. Um, so I have a lot to look forward to because I wake up tired uh, on a couple of days. Not, not all the time. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm con chronically tired because I sleep well, but I'm definitely getting old. And I feel like when I, if I don't get eight hours of sleep a day, I'm like, I kind of suck. <laughs> Some people are like, oh, I need a six and I'm fine. I'm like, if that's actually the case, which science would disprove, um, yeah. and more power to you. No, I'm with you. I mean, sleep, it, it changes everything. Like on, on a, we wake up when we have a bad night's sleep where I'm totally different. And then when I have a good night's sleep, I'm absolutely totally on the other end. You know, I could do so much and definitely have a better mood, attitude, everything. So I hear you. Cool. So if anyone wanted, anyone else wanted to capitalize on your awesomeness and your insight, outside of this podcast, where would be the best place for them to reach you at? Yeah, you can go to Instagram. Um, I have my handle as movement Physio, And the whole thing is that was that um, we, Chi Ru was one of the first uh, martial arts I ever got involved in. And it literally means uh, what real is when it's said in a certain way means the way of or the school of. So that was what I was trying to shoot for the way or the school of movement. And then physio after that. So yeah, if you look that up, and movement is spelled M V M T, and then R Y U, and then physio. So that's the best way. You can always DM me if you have any questions, and then my email is on there too. If you want to click on the email button. Yeah, I feel like removing all vowels from uh, words is the thing now. They opened up this place called Dental Bar, and it's D N T L. It's like a walk-in <laughs> like dentist over here. Yeah, I, I swear. I, I don't think that's the only place. Uh, I'm try I, I, I would be wasting too much time coming up with other places, but that one definitely stands out to me because I walk past it almost every day. I'm like, maybe I should just be J-R-D-N. And that would be there you go. That would Take actually out the work. vowels. I think that would actually work. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. Uh, Lee, do you have any parting words for our listeners? No, I, I thank you so much for uh, having me on, man. This is a huge honor, to be honest. And again, I, I'm super excited that there's more and more people like yourself getting the voice out and interviewing um, people from all walks of life. And um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. And, and anyone who's interested in learning more about physio or strength training, you're the man to, uh, to pass on the information. And this podcast, I think, is, is super important as well. I really appreciate that. I have a great lineup of guests coming up after this from not even just physical therapy. They're actually not physical. The next that I can think of for January are not physical therapists. So it's going to be a lot of uh, exciting information to come. That's but awesome. 
But anyway, that's all we have for today, beautiful people. I again want to thank Dr. Scantolides for his time and insight. Now get out there and make shit happen. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of To Health and Back. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And in the meantime, to connect with Dr. Jordan Seda, you can contact him through all social media networks at dr.jordanseda and online at theabstractphysio.com. Until next time, and remember, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. <laughs>